I shouldn't have ruined it for you. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Ruin things. Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast with Christina and Micah. This is episode 202, Crossroads, which originally aired on October 14th, 1998. Yes. The 25th anniversary, as most of these season one and two episodes is coming up. I think I was in eighth grade. I was... A sophomore. I linked up with them. They were yeah. sophomores in, in season one and two. Season one and two take place in the same school year. How exciting. Now, all the titles of season two episodes are the episode, the title episodes, right? Like it's none of this. Yes, that is correct. There are no alternate titles, which is praise be. Thank God. Yes. That was confusing. Too complicated. Especially when you're drinking Dawson's drink <laughs> and you're trying to keep all this straight, which is a good segue yes. into... What's our Dawson's drink? A wonderful segue. This week, we are drinking our favorite Jack Daniels cocktail, or our favorite Jack cocktail, if you will. Mine is Jack and Ginger. Whiskey Ginger is my go-to cocktail at any given bar. And usually it's Jameson, but today it's Jack. Delicious. Mine is the same. Oh, Whiskey Gingy? I love it. I love a Jack and Ginger moment. Love it. I honestly can't get Mm -hmm. enough. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we'll be explaining later. I'm sure the hardcore fans know why we picked a Jack cocktail, but we'll be explaining it further. But I'm just going to dive right into the recap for episode 202, Crossroads. So this episode opens in Dawson's bedroom, where Dawson and Joey are very hot and heavy, and they're passionately kissing on his bed in the dark to a very sexually suggestive commercial on the TV about sausage and meat and the handling of meat and it is a very heavy-handed metaphor and mitch and gail are standing in the doorway mouths agape they're in shock at what they're seeing and they turn off the tv and it is implied that they send joey on her way home after that although it cuts to our theme song the next morning mitch gives dawson a talk teen sex and the statistics while gail is doing the same to joey on the front porch Later that day, Dawson ends up peeking inside Joey's diary, and he reads her true thoughts on his movie and filmmaking abilities. She writes that she thinks Dawson is a talentless dreamer who has no chance of making it big. So Dawson clearly spirals at this, and his ego is very bruised. When Joey figures out what he did, they get in a huge fight over it. She can't believe that he would betray her in this way and betray her confidence like this. And he can't seem to get over what she said in the privacy of her own journal. So meanwhile, it's Pacey's birthday, and he's not having a very good one. First, he fails his driver's test. And then when he meets up with Dawson, all Dawson can do is talk about the mortifying sex talk with Mitch and Gail. And then later, all he could talk about is what he read in Joey's diary. So it's very obvious that everyone including Dawson, has forgotten Pacey's birthday. And he and Dawson had a whole trip to Maine planned, which Pacey assumes now is not happening. So when Pacey tells Jen this, he tells Jen that he's a case of the Molly Ringwalds, and Jen figures out that he's referring to 16 Candles, 
Jen encourages Pacey to throw a huge party on the pier and let loose and redefine this image that everyone has of him. And Pacey says that the reason it hurts so badly that Dawson forgot is because Dawson is the one person who always makes a big deal out of Pacey's birthday, even when his own family forgets and doesn't make a big deal out of it. Jen tells Pacey that Dawson and Joey don't have much time for anyone these days other than themselves and their budding romance. So Pacey ends up snapping at Dawson a few times throughout the episode and tells him to screw off, but Dawson is completely oblivious and self-absorbed and has no idea why Pacey's so mad. Pacey tells Dawson why he's so angry with him, that Dawson forgot his birthday and Dawson feels terrible. But Pacey says the reason it hurts so badly is because everyone in this town, including his own family, has written him off as a joke and completely forgotten about him. But today is the day he realized that his best friend did too. Dawson and Joey end up reuniting at Pacey's party and they kiss in the rain in this big cinematic romantic moment. Similar to what Pacey just said, Dawson says to Joey that he could take people thinking that he's a bad filmmaker, but he can't take Joey thinking he's a bad filmmaker. Joey explains that her diary isn't something she really puts truth into. She sees it as something more that she vents into, but she always tells Dawson the truth. When she wrote those things in her diary, it was because she was mad at him, but she thinks he's a talented filmmaker, just like she's always told him. So Pacey, meanwhile, has a few hysterical, really cute bantery encounters with Andy this episode. And at the end, she ends up giving him a birthday present that she had sitting in her car. And she says it was a present that she intended for her brother, but she just overheard him and that guy Dawson arguing. And she feels really bad that everyone forgot his birthday. So she gives him the gift and it's an eight ball. And they start asking him questions and have a really cute moment. And then they accidentally drop the eight ball in the water. Andy tells Pacey that it really doesn't matter what people think of him. You know, it doesn't mean just because they think he's a town loser or the town joke that he is one. Maybe he's just a guy who's still trying to figure it out. And that makes Pacey feel better. And he smiles and they laugh. And it's clear that there's something brewing between the two of them. When it comes to Jen in this episode, meanwhile, Graham says she's a little worried about Jen because Jen's not acting herself lately since her grandfather passed away. Jen ends up bonding with Abby Morgan who you'll remember from last season's episode, Breakfast Club, as the troublemaker from Saturday Detention. Abby really wants to know everything there is to know about New York because she plans to move there someday, and the two start to hit it off, and she becomes a friend to Jen, which is something that Jen is really looking for right now. The two end up getting drunk together and seeking alcohol into Pacey's party, where Abby encourages Jen to kiss the next guy she sees, and that happens to be Dawson. Dawson pushes Jen away immediately and asks her what she's doing. Later... Jen tells Abby that she really wants to get Dawson back. Abby has no idea why she wants to be with him, but she says, nevertheless, she's going to help Jen get Dawson back. And this is the first glimpse we see into Jen going back down her bad girl, New York bad girl path. So when it comes to Mitch and Gail in this episode, they're still having trouble bouncing back from her affair. Mitch seeks some advice from his fisherman friend and Gail seeks some advice from Gramps. Each of them tells Mitch and Gail that they need to do everything they can to save their marriage, and that marriages ebb and flow, and it's natural that things get difficult sometimes. Graham suggests to Gail that they renew their vows, a very wholesome approach, while Mitch's friend suggests to Mitch that they open up their marriage and see other people. Mitch likes this idea and mentions it to Gail, who is very upset and sad to hear this. Dawson and Pacey end up making up. Pacey says he's happy for him and Joey. He knows things are going to change, but it doesn't mean it needs to affect their friendship. The two of them drive off in Dawson's boat. Dawson wishes Pacey happy birthday, and he tells Pacey they're going to Maine, as Dawson promised. And as a little runner in this episode, Andy and Joey meet for the first time. And Andy asks Joey if she's looking for any help at the Ice House, which is Joey's family's restaurant. Joey says that she is, actually. And Andy asks if Joey would consider hiring her brother, Jack. 
they're new in town and they don't know many people. And this is Jack's first episode. He gets a job working with Joey at the Ice House. And as we can see right now, Jack is very nice. He's very awkward, kind of a klutz. But we will obviously get to know him more as the season develops. And that is the second episode of season two. Jack is here. Jack is here and he's so cute. He is so cute. So cute. We'll get into that. It was a very funny episode. I was laughing like out loud to myself. Wow. Well, that credit can go to Dana Barada, who wrote this episode. She wrote four episodes last season. This season, she's back writing five episodes. So we covered her at length in episode 105, which is the first episode she wrote in season one with Kevin Williamson, as you remember, Hurricane, one of our favorite episodes. She also wrote 108, Escape from New York, 112, Pretty Woman, My Bobby Winner, and 113 with Mike White. Is that your Bobby Winner? Yeah. I wonder if they had her write this episode because it was a big Dawson Pacey episode and she did such a good job with that in the road trip episode. Something to consider. And the pageant episode, when we covered that episode, you were really impressed with their dynamic and thought it was like a really cute Dawson Pacey friendship episode. Maybe she was the Dawson Pacey friendship go-to writer. We love that for her. And as we mentioned, she is the writer who passed away, right? Yes. So she passed away, sadly, in 2020 from cancer. She was 59 years old. Very sad. She was great. She's a great writer. Who directed this bad boy? So this episode was directed by Denny Gordon, which I think is such a good name. Denny Gordon is a badass female director. She has 80 directing credits on IMDb. She started working in 1995. She's still working now. I think that, you know, like maybe compared to our directors last season, maybe Lou Antonio had that many credits, maybe Alan Arkish, but she just nonstop works. Recently, she has done From Scratch, Last Light, For All Mankind, Warrior Hunters, Jack Ryan, Goliath, Waco, Power, Legion, Empire. She's just a literally nonstop director. Good for her. She just seems like a total badass. I noticed Danny was spelled not the usual way. It's D-E-N-N-I-E, I I think. Yeah. And I clocked that, but I had no idea it was a woman just by the name. Yeah. And I think that that's, I don't know. I think that's awesome. And I wonder if that ever in the 90s got her into rooms when people just saw her name written and didn't know that she was a woman. I would love to chat with her. Her career is wild. And this episode was really good. I thought it was really well directed. It was a great episode. Well, should we talk about the guest cast? (laughs) This episode, our guest cast shout out goes to Kerr Smith playing Jack McPhee. He is Andy's brother, as we mentioned. There are 128 episodes of Dawson's Creek. Jack is in 113 of them. So if you do the math, this is our 15th episode. So I think that means he's in all episodes from here on out except for one. Does that sound right to you? Uh, I believe. I can't think of the episode he is not in. Me neither. Well, <laughs> we'll have to clock it when we see it. We will. Can't think of it off the top of my head, but he is a huge, huge, huge part of the series. And I'm happy he's here. He's so cute. Yeah, a very small part in this episode, but he's so cute. You just already, in his two scenes, you already love him, or I do. Yes, and I believe the background on him was they really wanted to cast a character to come between Dawson and Joey. 
So I believe, like, I believe, like, Kurt Smith auditioned with Katie Holmes. Yeah, like a chemistry read. Like a chemistry test, yeah. Because you know, we got a little tease of it. He's working at the Ice House in this episode. He and Joey had a little moment at the end. He is the one who kind of urges Joey to go and make up with Dawson because they're working together now. So Kurt Smith was also, I believe, it must have been the year after this season filmed, but he was in the first Final Destination. Yes, he was. He was in Final Destination. He had an arc on Charmed. He was in Life Unexpected. Did you watch that show? I did not. Oh, it's a, it wanted, was a good... I've always wanted to. Yeah, I've always wanted yeah. to. Yeah, it was a show that felt very WB, even though it was CW. So I would recommend it. Just It's just like a light, a little light show. Recently, he had an arc on Riverdale. He had an arc on The Resident. He also had a big arc on The Fosters, which I never watched, but I know people liked that show. Was he on a CSI, like a CSI Miami oh, yeah. or something? I feel like he had an arc as a serial killer on one of the CSIs that my parents were watching. And he was, I mean, he's a great actor. He had one episode of CSI, one episode of CSI Miami, and four episodes of CSI New York. So maybe you're thinking of New York if it was a multi-episode. I think I'm thinking of New York because, yeah, he was on a few episodes. And I, yeah, that's the one with Gary Sinise, I think. Yeah, yes. he played some type of killer and he was really good. He is. And also he has 51 episodes of As the World Turns. Yeah. He, which was before this, before this. Yes. It's funny that he's on As the World Turns, because I believe that's the soap that John Wesley Shipp started on. Mitch. Mitch and Jack have the little As the World Turns tie-in. As you know, I love a soap actor moment. Love it. It's so funny, because all the other actors, when they're asked about a Dawson's Creek reboot, all of them are like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Katie Holmes is very much like, (laughs) It was a moment in time, like pre-cell phones. I just feel like there was something wholesome and special about it. We shouldn't redo it. And James Vanderbeek is like abs- like the most outspoken about it. Like, no. Joshua Jackson has said like, oh, who wants to see Pacey like old with like back pain being old? And, and Michelle Williams, of course. Well, I won't spoil it. But Kurt Smith is the only one when asked about a Dawson's Creek reboot who's like, I want to do it. I'm working on it. We're trying to get yeah. something going. There is a way that Jack could very easily be on the Dawson's Creek reboot. If they reboot it with all new characters, like Jack could kind of be the parent character. I can't get too much into it without revealing the end of the Mm -hmm. series. But we love Chris Smith for keeping that dream going. Love it. If he's looking to attach a writer to the Dawson's Creek reboot, (laughs) look no further. If he needs producers, we are in. I'll work for scale. Yeah, we love Chris Smith. Also, I think he lives in Utah now, maybe, because he posts a lot of skiing pictures in Utah. And he's been to that, you know, as we talked about last season, I went skiing for the first time and I went to a certain resort there and he's been there. And so he might live in Utah now. Hmm. Zaddy, what about music moment? Well, do you want to talk about the music that you just watched? Now, the music is not the same. So I checked Hulu, Amazon Prime, and HBO Max, and this trash music, I don't know what it is. No offense to who's ever singing on it, but it's garbage, (laughs) and it's not the original. I was watching, and I was just like, nothing is jumping out at me. Luckily, we have all the original music thanks to Google. (laughs) So the obvious music moment choice for this episode is Kiss the Rain by Billy Myers, and that's a little on the nose, but that's what plays... (laughs) When Dawson and Joey make out in the rain and they make up at Pacey's party. 
Another great music moment. And I believe it kind of starts playing at the tail end of like when Mitch tells Gail that he wants an open marriage and she's like very teary eyed. That might be when Kiss the Rain started because then it transitions into the reunion moment. At the end when Dawson's driving Pacey in the boat. So good. Is that your music moment? Yeah. Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. So good. Love that song. Obsessed with it. It's just such a good, fun moment. A great song. Really holds up. So even though we cannot find the original scenes, we will be only posting original music to our Spotify playlist. Yes, absolutely. When I was watching on Netflix, and if if I didn't hear Paula Cole, and I heard the Jan Arden version of the theme song, like I always knew then like, okay, I'd be I'll be in for like the bad music. I'll be in for the new music, the unlicensed kind of when you hear Paula Cole, you assume they're getting all the original music. And then it was just such a buzzkill. Yeah, it was. And the music was iconic. And we're going to pretend like this never happened. But to the argument that the music is iconic, the second that you don't hear that iconic music in that moment, you're like, nope, like you knew Billy Myers. Check out. Checked out. So as usual, Spotify playlist. We'll be updated. Yeah. There's also a great song that plays. It's called Sway by Bikaranga. That just it's playing in the back of an Abby Jen bonding scene, but it's a great song. So we will be posting on our playlist. Uh past versus present. I have anything for past versus present. The only thing this is gonna make me sound bad. The only thing that came to mind for me is looking back at this episode where it's like it was this is our first episode where last episode there was a little bit of flirtation between between Pacey and Andy, but this episode is they're really laying some groundwork and planting the seeds. And I remember thinking Andy was not good enough for Pacey. <laughs> and I think it's because Joshua Jackson was one of the original loves of my life. I was so obsessed with Pacey and I was like, who is Andy? She is a spaz. She is not good enough for him. And then this episode, I was watching it and I was like, Andy is so cute. Her body is amazing in her little red bikini. And mm-hmm. she's smart and she's well liked. I, I don't know. I'm like, Pacey is trash compared to Andy. <laughs> so, well, you know, I mean, look, I've gotten so much hate for being a Dawson Joey fan. And now I can finally say the reason that I am a Dawson Joey fan is not just because I prefer dawson for joey i'm 1000 percent like a pacey andy stan fan supporter i love them together i just prefer they might be like my favorite couple of the whole show honestly i just love them i love them and i prefer him with her than joey not to say i don't think joey and pacey have cute moments but pacey and andy oh they're just so perfect i love them i always loved andy and i remember God, there was something where like someone talked about how annoying Andy was, but it was like it was on like a public forum. It was on like a like I don't know if it was like a live journal or what at the time. But I remember thinking like, God, is Andy supposed to be annoying? Because I don't find her annoying at all. <laughs> I really did. I really did. Maybe that was my MySpace that you logged on to, and I was going on <laughs> your MySpace bulletin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I thought she was like dorky and annoying and. I really did not like this little romance that was brewing. And then I came around. But at first I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. She's such a motor mouth. She is a motor mouth big time. I love in this episode when she's like, I get nervous around people. And then I, 
What does she say? I, I get nervous around people and then I just stop talking. And he says, are you kidding me? You have not stopped talking since the second I met you. And she said, well, you don't make me nervous. You make me mad. Mad and Trump's nervous. <laughs> and then when he can't get her to shut up later, he says, I really wish I made you nervous. Yeah. The Pacey Andy banter is like 10 out of 10. The vibes are immaculate. Just, oh, Talk so to good. you. Okay, so the past versus present in this episode for me would be the idea of open marriage, I guess. I don't agree with it per se, but at the time I remember thinking like, this is so stupid. No one does this. And now I'm like, oh, people do that. Yeah. When I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, that was really progressive for 1999 or 98. But yeah, now it's like, that's a real thing, a real lifestyle. People are ethically non-monogamous. There's like a whole whole sector of the world in open yeah. relationships. Who was Mitch's friend? He was hot. He is in a lot of stuff. Like what? if Jack, if this was not Jack's first episode, I would have given guest cash out to him. He's in, I want to say, shoot, he's in a lot of football movies. Like I think he's in Remember the Titans and maybe Friday Night Lights, the movie and... But he looked so familiar to me that I had to look him up and I've seen a lot of the stuff he's in. He was Silver Fox Zaddy kind of. Yeah, like dirty in a dirty fisherman kind of way. Yeah, which, yeah. He works at the docks. I'll just be here drinking my rolling rock in the middle of the day while I'm at work. Yeah. It was a vibe. Yeah, the vibe was good. Shall we? Open it up. Let's open it up. The very, very, very first thing that stood out to me is... You already mentioned it, but there's like a very suggestive infomercial playing about this combination pasta and sausage maker. And they're cranking out this like sausage out of this machine and a hand slowly comes over the top of the screen. It's Mitch's hand to turn off the TV, but the way that he slowly covers up the sausage with his hand was... Yeah, they were not pulling any punches there. It was like, meat, sausage, how do you like your meat? Oh, my God. I think that was them leaning into that. Like, we're Dawson's Creek. We have to be, you know, sexual and risque because they got so much press for that the first season. And yeah. Dawson goes, oh, you remember Joey. But they're really just yeah. making out. I mean. They are. And it really made me feel nostalgic. Like, what is better than those like early makeouts, like the super passionate, early, hot, in your and heavy childhood bed. I've never made out with anyone in my childhood bed ever. I have. We led different lives. Yes, the meat commercial was something else. <laughs> it really was. But I liked it. It was cute. And then it was cute in the morning when Mitch is talking to Dawson and Gail kind of corners Joey and they have a little birds and the bees conversation and my favorite part was when they were leaving mitch goes remember dawson no hat no glove and gail is like mitch it's no glove no love (laughs) no glove no love oh my god my favorite thing from that scene was the name of gail's book when she was giving joey the sex talk on the porch and the name of the book was reproduction and repercussion that's funny the main conflict in this episode comes from a character reading another character's diary which is like so wholesome and kind of old-fashioned and chaste Mm -hmm. and but i'm still so into that i'm still so into that story 
compared to teen shows of today, like, you know, the euphorias, the this, that, the others, where the conflict and the drama is so adult, this was such like a trivial, silly kind of thing. But it worked for me. And it still is, like, even though it's trivial, it still is a betrayal. Like, he broke her trust in a very real way. It didn't feel like, oh, an overreaction. Like, it I think it really worked. Yeah, I understood where both of them were coming from. Even though Dawson's super self-involved, he can't get his head, he can't wrap his head around her feelings of betrayal because he's just so caught up in what he heard. I guess the modern day equivalent would be like if you went through someone's phone and you read bad text, like, oh, Dawson is driving me crazy. Yeah. I was thinking about that, how like, you know, teen shows now have very much further along, more adults developed kind of storylines. And I'm always like, is this real? You know, would this happen? And then, I don't know, the diary thing was just, it was very wholesome and silly. And I just realized, like, that would never be on a show in 2023, like a teen character. It would be on, like, a Disney Channel sitcom. It would never be on, like, a teen drama, you know? For sure. Anyway, Joey's diary has Mona Lisa on the cover. (laughs) Yes, it does. Which is a choice. (laughs) Now, this season, for those people who have never watched, Joey becomes very into art this season. And throughout the series. So maybe it was like call forward, a hint, an Easter egg. I just thought it was weird. And it was just like a small square photo. Like it looked like she could have chosen to put anything in there. And she put just the Mona Lisa's face. It wasn't even like the portrait. It was very strange. Also in that scene, and I don't think I ever noticed this before. You see a picture of Joey and her mom. Yeah. I have never noticed. I really don't think I've ever noticed that all the times I've watched season two. You sure do. Right there on her bedside. So Joey and Dawson are studying. Joey gets up to check on Alexander, her nephew. Dawson's like being a creep and like smelling her perfume. And he picks up the perfume and it's like right next to a picture of Joey and her mom, which cute. Just I never noticed it. Crazy. Joey took out the diary like joking around like, oh, I'm going to have to write this down. I can't remember why her diary was out. I feel like she reached under the bed and was like, oh, I'm going to have to write about this. So I remember every second or something corny. And then he pulls her in to kiss her and then the baby cries and she gets up and leaves it out. Like he wasn't snooping to find it. It was sitting right on the bed, but he shouldn't obviously shouldn't have been thumbing through it. Yeah. And it's so funny. So, you know, I get a lot of messages on our social media. Like this is an account where, you know, because I'm team Dawson, you're team PC. And there just isn't a lot of Dawson Joey content to post. Like I try to post TikToks and Instagram videos and things like that. Like we're not creators of content, but we like to share other people's. There's not a lot of Joey Dawson content to share. So I got a lot of messages being like, why is, why is there so much Pacey like Joey content? Are you secretly team Pacey? <laughs> just like there's like seven Joey Dawson TikToks and I've posted them all. But anyway, and every Joey Dawson fan video, TikTok, et cetera, this scene is shown because they're spoiler alert over the course of the series, Joey and Dawson really are not together that much. And this is one of the episodes where they are in the scene of them on the bed hugging while they're supposed to be studying is like, it's basically, it's like a cornerstone of Joey Dawson yeah. coupled them, I think, because, you know, they don't last super long. It's a very recognizable image for sure. Yeah. I would love to play some of the Abby lines. Some of her digs at Dawson are like very funny. Abby is good in this episode. We're obviously getting a taste of the Jen Abby dynamic to come. 
And I think it's interesting how quickly Jen just kind of succumbs to Abby. And she's like, okay, let's be friends. Like took very little. And I think it's obviously Jen is kind of like bottom of the barrel. She's been having a tough time. Last episode was really hard for her. This episode, she doesn't want to get out of bed. She doesn't want to go to school. Like she's just really down in the dumps. So maybe that was it. She was just like looking for something or someone, but it really doesn't take much. Yeah, I think Jen is just, she's grieving. She's rejected by Dawson. And I think Abby is really the only person who celebrates the fact that Jen is from New York. Like, she's the only person who's been like, tell me more about New York. I love that you're from New York. Everyone else has been like, you're a big city harlot. Like, get away from her. Like, you're corrupting our small town. We also know that Jen had bad girl tendencies in New York. And Abby's kind of uh, scratching that itch, maybe. Yeah, I love Jen and Abby's friendship. I also thought it was interesting that nobody commented on Jen's haircut. Nobody. I thought maybe Graham would be like, why did you cut your hair, Jennifer? Jennifer. Love the butterfly clip in Jen's hair at the last scene. Love it. Just takes me back. Love those butterfly clips. Sure does. I thought it was a cute little scene, too, between her and Pacey. I thought it was nice to see Jen and Pacey have a scene scene together. I love that scene. So in that scene, it's Pacey knows that Dawson forgot his birthday. He goes and sees Jen. They're kind of eating, I assume, breakfast together. You could assume that Pacey woke up on his birthday, went to take his driver test, failed, goes with Jen on the dock. And he says, I have a case of the Molly Ringwalds. And she says, oh, you know, in Breakfast Club, she gets Saturday detention. In Pretty in Pink, she gets done before prom. In 16 Candles, they forget her birthday. And Pacey has a look and she says, oh, that's it. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. I love that scene. Me too. Anytime they put new dynamics together, even for one scene, it's just like refreshing and fun. Yeah. And it's nice to remember that these people are friends. It makes them feel like more well-rounded characters that are alive when we aren't observing them. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) And they did did kiss twice in season one. Once during Dawson's movie and then the second time in detention. But they did not win best kiss at the inaugural bobby awards no 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 they would never (laughs) i love in that scene too so jen is like screw joey and dawson like throw your own party like you know you don't need them they forgot about you forget about them and pacey's like yeah i'm sick of being a sidekick it's time i got my own storyline yeah like very meta the show does a lot of meta stuff but it is a very pacey is going to get his own storyline and this is the season he's branching off He's, He's no off. longer just just the goofy sidekick. Going back to the Abby stuff, there's a one point when she says very casually, like, now that you're no longer seeing like Forrest Gump and his friends, it's just so funny. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I laughed so hard when she said that. And then there's another scene where she sees Dawson and Joey making out after they made up. And she says, God, it won't be long until those two like consummate their relationship and Jen says, oh, God, no. You know, they're like siblings. Dawson's told me that he's not sexually attracted to her. And Abby was like, well, maybe they're siblings from Kentucky because they're about to get it on. (laughs) It's just her zingers are so good. I just love her. She really earned your guest cast, Bobby. She can come collect it anytime she'd like. I loved when Pacey told Dawson to get over himself. The scene where Pacey's posting up all of the flyers about his party and Dawson just keeps harping on what he read in Joey's diary 
And Pacey's trying to tell him, like, I don't care. At this point, we know that Dawson forgot Pacey's birthday. Pacey knows that Dawson forgot Pacey's birthday. Dawson is clueless. And Pacey's just pissed at him. And he's like, I don't care. And Dawson is like, I do care. And he's like, get over it. Get over yourself. And it was really refreshing to hear someone say that to Dawson, honestly. Yeah. I mean, Dawson was being terrible in this episode. Terrible. Just so clueless and self-involved. And it was just brutal. Brutal. How do you forget your best friend's birthday? I genuinely don't know. There's one really good scene where when Dawson is telling Pacey what happened, he says, oh, and this is the scene where we find out what Dawson read. Because Dawson reads the diary and Joey walks in and then Dawson just excuses himself. We know he's upset, but then they go to commercial and then it comes back. Pacey's putting up the flyers. Dawson is like, oh, you know, she said, I'm like, my movies are putrid, rancid, embarrassing, awful. And and Pacey is like, well, at least she didn't say like you're selfish and annoying and self-involved and ignorant and obnoxious. So like all of these things that he thinks Dawson's being. It was a clever scene. I appreciated that scene. I have two grievances with this episode. The first is not a true grievance. It's just that the shirt that Dawson is wearing for the majority of this episode is so terrible. It's like a knit gray shirt, like a t-shirt polo situation, but the sleeves are all the way down to his elbows and then it like cinches in. Hated it. Loathed. And he's in it from like halfway on to the end. Dawson's fashion is tragic. It's not good. No, he wears like hiking shoes with like white (laughs) socks that like go up to his knees and he wears like cargo shorts and like flannels oh, he's a mess he's a mess truly a mess truly a mess the other one is a real grievance do you have any idea what i what it's going to be i do i think i have an idea the timeline of the days yes yeah it drove me crazy okay so it opens as we said at, at, on a night where dawson and joe are making out the next day the next morning is when they have the sex talk with mitch and gail and Pacey is at his driver's test. And that's the morning that he tells Jen, it's my birthday, Dawson forgot. So we know that that day is his birthday because he's upset that Dawson forgot it. So then they go to school. Dawson and Joey are hanging out later after school. He reads the diary, blah, blah, blah. Then there's the next day. So we're on day three, technically. It's the day after mm-hmm. Pacey's birthday. And Dawson is explaining to Pacey, last night I read Joey's diary. So you know that this is the day after Pacey's birthday. He's throwing the party this day. Mm -hmm. But Pacey and Dawson make several references on day three that that day is Pacey's birthday. And Andy, same thing. She's like, oh, today's your birthday. Here's a gift. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah, The most, I think the most egregious one is when Pacey reveals to Dawson, you forgot my birthday. And then Dawson says... Oh, God, you've been trying to tell me all day that I forgot your birthday. (laughs) But he's been trying to tell him for two days. But yeah, that drove me freaking crazy. I know. Because it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been hard for Dawson to say, oh, my God, your birthday was yesterday. You tried you've been trying to tell me for days. Yeah, that drove me crazy. Me too. And I rewound it multiple times to be like, am I wrong? Like, was it not a different night? Like, was that Joey Dawson diary scene? like after school or something and or like at lunch no it wasn't it's so funny because on my second rewatch i was like look this is cape side crazy shit happened i was like did dawson and joey go home at lunch right That's what I, I was trying to justify it in my mind too 
No, because then he definitely, because he says last night. Dawson says last night, I read Joey's diary. Yeah, it's 1000% the next day. Yeah. So in script, in scripts, when you're setting the scenes, you'd say like interior, the ice house, you know, day two, day three, depending on what day it is. And the reason you do that is so like costumes will know, okay, this is a scene from day three. So they shouldn't be wearing the same clothes as day two and hair and makeup as well, you know. Or, okay, so if this is day three and they were at school earlier in a day three school scene, then they should be wearing the same things or look the same. The days really helps hair and makeup know where we should be as far as looks and continuity. Yeah, and Pacey is very clearly wearing... Two di- yeah, no, it's two very, very much outfits. so two mornings. Like, you can tell yeah. it's two different mornings. And like something that people might not think about the reason why you're saying it's so important for hair and makeup and costumes and all those people is you might be shooting a scene for day three on the first day of shooting and not and then shooting another scene for day three, eight days later, you know, it's you're Mm -hmm. never very rarely shooting anything in context or in order. So it's important to remember, okay, so-and-so's hair was parted this way or curled this way or whatever. Yes. So usually things are shot by a lot of the times location. So if they're like, okay, we're shooting episodes 202, they call it cross-boarding. So, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to shoot 201 and 202 together. We have the school location because that's a, that's a location, right? So they have to confer with the school, get certain dates approved. So if they're shooting at the school... Let's say they shot this like August 7th and August 8th. We're going to do all the school scenes from episodes one and two on these days. They're not necessarily shooting in order, like you said. So the days on this actual script, they call it the slug, the slug line, like exterior, Cape Side High, day three. All those school scenes are shot on the same day, regardless of what day they take place in the script. It was just weird to me. It was very weird to me. But again, so maybe for- they weren't planning on us like rewatching this. <laughs> You know, like back then. I know, but how? I know, it's weird. It's weird. It's it's very weird. I only have two other talking points. Yeah, my only other ones were, we kind of touched on it already, but Jack is just such a cutie. I thought it was such a good way to intro him. I love that it wasn't like a scene at the school where Andy's like, hey everyone, this is my brother Jack. Like she references him to Joey and then he just shows up and he's there and he's in it and he's doing it. And he was just so cute. It is done so well. You hear about him for that first scene when Andy comes up to Joey. She says, oh, I have a brother. You know, are you looking for help? Joey says, yes. So later, Joey and Dawson are in this heated fight over the diary. And Jack walks into the ice house and he's like, hey, I'm Jack. And Joey's like, this is literally in the middle of their fight. And he says, Andy's brother. And (laughs) Joey's like, who's Andy? (laughs) (laughs) and then joey and dawson are in this huge fight so she's like just go in and just uh, go into the kitchen and clean or whatever you got the job and then joey and dawson again are fighting 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 and jack walks back out and he's like hey can you tell your sister i work here because (laughs) she won't let me into the kitchen and he's just providing that comedic relief to undercut this very serious scene and i really i thought this episode was very funny yeah it was really great between jack and andy and abby i was just There's some good singers in there. Yeah, for sure. When Andy and Joey meet, Andy walks up to her and she's like, hi, I'm a friend of Pacey's. And Joey says, wow, how bold of you to admit that. (laughs) And I was just like, because you know that Joey and Pacey have a weirdly bantery relationship and 
they kind of hate each other at this point. So just something that I clocked. Another thing I clocked was when Dawson and Pacey were making up. You know, Pacey says, you and Joey are together now. Thank God. I'm happy for you. Like, I couldn't live through that. Well, they won't say stuff anymore. I'm glad you're together. I just, I don't want to be like, I don't want our friendship to be a casualty of that. I understand things are going to change, but I don't want them to ever change too much. And Dawson says, you know, nothing is ever going to change so much that like you and I aren't best friends. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you just wait. <laughs> Check back in next season. It is yeah. cute. And and Pacey is like, are we having a moment? And he's like, I think we are. Yeah, they're cute. They're cute. I also thought it was really a long time coming when they're finally getting to the crux of diary argument. And Dawson is like, I don't understand. Like, why are you lying to me? You think I'm a bad filmmaker? And she's like, I don't think you're a bad filmmaker. I have had a crush on you for a really long time. And it used to make me angry. And the only person I've ever been fully truthful to is you like basically saying she was lying to herself in her diary but she's always been truthful to Dawson we've known for so long that Joey has a crush on Dawson that it was weird and unexpected the first time I feel like I watched it have her even admit that to herself like even though we knew she knew it she never really wanted to admit it I actually had another thing that just came to me that I want to talk about Dawson and Joey Again, they make up in the rain. Billy Myers, Kiss the Rain is playing for their makeup scenes where they're talking about like all the things you said, like, do you really feel this way? No, I was venting, all of that stuff. They're wet. They're soaking wet. Their hair mm -hmm. is wet. Their clothes are wet. No one else is wet. You know, Jen and Abby aren't wet. Andy's not wet. Pacey's not wet. I would have maybe just like frizzed out some hair. And also, I mean, I'm sure it was just like a beautiful summer day, but Andy is still in her bathing suit and it's like 8 p.m. Like I would be cold. Maybe she knows her assets and she was crushing on Pacey and she was like. Hmm. I actually probably wouldn't put clothes on if I looked like that. Maybe I wouldn't. Speaking of clothes and revealing parts in the scene where Mitch and Gail final scene, Mitch's V-neck is the deepest V-neck I have ever <laughs> seen. On a man ever. <laughs> I it, didn't know it is like it is a third of his shirt. It just goes right it to is the belly plunging. Button. It is a plunging V-neck situation. They loved to give him man it's cleavage. Crazy. They did it also in the scene where he and Dawson are talking about the birds and the bees. He's wearing his robe and he doesn't have a shirt underneath, and it's just like a deep open V. Pecs are yeah. popping. My last thing. After Mitch's deep V-neck. You know I love background actors. Oh, I know you do. And I love to watch them. <laughs> did you watch any of the background actors at Pacey's party? I did, yeah. I took notice did to you, a couple. Did you see the girl with the hula hoop? <laughs> no. Oh, a star. A star is born. <laughs> this girl is fully hula hooping at... A peer party. I mean, God bless her. There was a girl at my college who brought a hula hoop everywhere and she would make she would make them herself. Like she would go to Home Depot or wherever and buy pipe and like tape them. She would make them really big and heavy and she would take it everywhere. She was like a hippie pot smoker, really lovely, like a very nice girl. And then I started hanging around with the crowd where like party house where she would go. 
So one time I asked her if I could try her hula hoop and it was so easy to use. And she's like, yeah, that's why I make them because like the ones that you buy are really hard to use. Like if it's bigger and the weight is distributed more equally Mm. or something. I've never felt better. I understand why that girl was hula hooping. Good for her. I was a nerd, but making your own hula hoops and bringing it everywhere is next level. (laughs) Yikers. So wait, so you're saying that hula hoops are not like one size fits all. Yeah. We've been lied to this whole time. That's the only hula hoop I've ever been able to like actually keep going for a substantial. She should make her own. I'm sure she could and she could market them as some sort of TikTok weight loss and people would buy them like crazy. I would buy it then. (laughs) The girl with the hula hoop, you guys. I don't know. It was giving Roberta Crump. (laughs) You could tell the girl. Who won Miss Windjammer? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even think we had to say that. Roberta Crump, Miss Windjammer, 1998. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> well, we might. I mean, you know, we can't expect everyone to be as obsessed with Miss Windjammer mm-hmm. as we are. I guess. The girl with the green bathing suit who says, I forget what her line is, but she pours out the beer and is like, this is funky or whatever she says. Yeah. She was she living. Said. She was like, this is my moment. You could just tell. Something we did not talk about, Pacey and Andy, during one of their bantery moments, a senior cheerleader is looking at Pacey, kind of impressed, I guess you could say. And Andy says, oh my God, she's checking you out. And Pacey says, oh, I haven't had much luck with senior cheerleaders this year, referencing Christy from the last episode where Andy told this girl, Pacey's dying, you should go out with him, he has a heart stripe. And Andy says, you never know, like older women love younger men. And Pacey kind of laughs, referring to Miss Jacobs. Just a funny little thing that might need mentioning, because let's say Pacey and Andy do get into a relationship. How will she feel when she finds out that he used to have sex with his English teacher? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Just a hypothetical episode. That was a really funny moment. I thought like that. Yeah. Well, that might be all I have to say about Episode 202 Crossroads. Shall we do a creek speak? This one is on our Apple Podcasts and it is, I don't know how you pronounce this, T-H-U-L-L-I-V. So Thulliv, very entertaining and in-depth, five stars. I love this podcast. I'm sad that they just announced a small break for season two, but I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoy the in-depth conversations and banter the co-hosts have. They ask thought-provoking questions to each, especially the motives of characters that I otherwise wouldn't have thought about myself. I also learn a lot of behind-the-scenes production and writing of television that I'm not at all familiar with because the co-hosts work in the industry and give that inside scoop. As someone who's watching Dawson's Creek for the first time, this is a wonderful companion to listen to while watching the show. Cute. I love that. Love that. If you guys have left reviews or if you've DM'd, like you could send in more. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Especially as we're watching and as we're continuing, there's so many things like shout out to Kirsty from New Jersey, who pointed out all of the time inconsistencies and like day to day inconsistencies in the episodes, like in this episode 202, where we talk about two days being Pacey's birthday. She was basically listing in my DMs about all of the times that there have been these inconsistencies throughout. So As you guys are noticing things, and we're talking about them on the pod, right in. We love to commiserate about that. 
So now it is time for our Dawson's Draft segment, a new segment where we're going to pick a different topic every week, and then we're each going to alternate picking five choices until we assemble a top 10 list. And this week we're doing best parents. Yes. Best TV parents. As in which parents would you want? Mm Mm-hmm. And since you went first last time, I'm going to go first this time. I don't know who you picked. You don't know who I picked. All right. So I'm going to go with Jack and Rebecca Pearson from This Is Us. Oh, such a good pick. That was on my list. That was on your list? (laughs) They're such a good pick. Jack Pearson is what you want every man to be. He has his flaws, but he never lets them really get in the way. Best dad. And it's a testament to that show that like, They could make such a good dad character after all these years. I mean, I feel like he transcends a lot of TV dads, and I think he pokes through, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think he cracks a lot of top 10 lists, and it's hard to do that nowadays when there's such a rich history of TV dads. I think he deserves a top spot. I just love him. And she's great, too. So good. We can't say much if you haven't seen it. So anyway, (laughs) who is your number one? My number one and my always and forever number one is Eric and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. (laughs) They're my number two. I would still like for them to adopt me and I'm 38 years old. They are everything. I just love them. I just love them. Now, what I was going to say when I brought them up as my number two, yes, Tammy did slap Julie, but I think they tried to explain it away like she was postpartum hormonal imbalance post baby and Yeah, and Julie really, she had a lot going on. I'm not saying that she should ever be slapped, but she had some trying periods. He was mouthing off hard. Yeah. (laughs) I I think she didn't. She she said something really bad to Tammy. I don't know if she called her a B, but it was something like that. Jealous of that pick. That's good. Just love him. My number two. This is a niche pick. I don't know if a lot of people are going to know it. Sheriff Stalinsky from Teen Wolf, played by Lyndon Ashby. I binged Teen Wolf after it was over. And you did too. We binged it together, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Great show. Like if you're a fan of Buffy and you haven't seen Teen Wolf, you should definitely watch Teen Wolf because it kind of scratches that same itch and everyone has like a power and it's supernatural, but it's grounded and it's great. So anyway, Sheriff Stalinsky is my number two pick. I know who your number two is going to be. I know who your number two is going to be. I should have picked it so you didn't. <laughs> well, this is so stressful. I love Dawson's draft. All right. I'm going to take Mitch and Gale. <gasps> okay. I'm taking Mitch and Gill. Obvious reasons. We talk about every week. I'm feeling like I felt when I picked Everwood. I feel like I have to pick them because I just always have loved them so much. I don't think that they're perfect. I don't think that they're perfect parents, but I do think that they're great parents. They're not a great team always, which is why I hesitate on picking them. But yeah, I picked Mitch and Gail. I agree, because Mitch is a great dad throughout, and Mm -hmm. Gail had some rough patches in her marriage, but she really ends up being great. And we talk about a lot. Who wants like a flaw-free, perfect character? Boring. Like you want to see flaws, you want to see growth. My number three pick, which I thought was actually going to be like your number one, and then your number two. I'm going to go with Sandy and Kirsten Cohen from the OC. No! I didn't think that you were going to pick them, and that's why I went with Mitch and Gail, and they're on my list. (laughs) it's so funny because when we were talking about this category i was like we should do best parents and you were like or guardian or guardian like you kept saying or guardian and that made me think oh she's gonna pick sandy cohen because he's (sighs) ryan's guardian even though he sets daddy's ryan's guardian anyway i just they're cool they're young they're hip they're they're awesome they're great parents yes she became an alcoholic (laughs) 
Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> but I mean, I just love them. They're so funny and hot. Yeah. They keep it tight. They adopted that poor boy from Chino. <laughs> I mean, if you can adopt grown teenagers who are brooding and angsty, good on you. All right. I'm going to pick one that you will never pick in a million years. I'm going to pick Sam Fox from Better Things. She's just a good mom. She's very chill, very real with her kids, like sometimes too real. There are no boundaries in what she'll talk about with her kids. She's always there for them. She's always supporting them. They can tell her anything and she'll figure out how to handle the problem. She's supportive of her mother. Their dad is like not helpful in any way, shape or form. And she never, she never crushes her kid's vision of him. I don't know. I just think she's a really good mom. I like her a lot. I actually just watched the first season of that. So Better Things on FX, it's Pam Adlon. Yeah, it's a great show. I just watched that. I didn't continue with it because I felt like I got the gist of it, but I didn't dislike it. I have that problem with a lot of FX shows. I always just feel like once I get the show, like, why should I kind of continue with it? But I love Pam Adlon. Cool. Well, that's a good pick. So this is my fourth pick. Yeah. I have to pick, I think, one of the the best single mothers of all time, Lorelai Gilmore. Hello. That's a good pick. Who didn't? wish even the littlest part that your mom got knocked up as a teenager and you were 15 years apart and you could just chill with your mom and talk to her like that that's a great pick she's a little bit scattered she's a little bit all over the place but it made rory who she is she was a loose mom but when she had to be stern she was like when she caught rory sleeping with dean do you remember that No, I'm going to be honest with you. I only just watched the first season of that in the last couple of years, and I haven't finished it. Fall always makes me want to just watch Gilmore Girls. Oh, man. Okay. uh, I'm really salty about Sandy and Kirsten. Um, I think I'm going to take Adam and Christina Braverman from Parenthood. They were on my list, too. Further down, but they were. Yeah, I actually really don't like Christina as a character, which is not a popular opinion. She really annoyed me. Like, she just really grated on my nerve for for some reason. But they're so supportive of their kids. And they're so, like, they started a whole freaking charter school, you know? Like, they are great parents. Yeah, their kid was having a lot of special needs, and they were having trouble finding a school that was a good fit for him, so they started a charter school. Yeah, they were like, oh, there's nothing that exists to support my son. I'll make it. Parenthood is an amazing show. I, If anyone has not seen that, I highly recommend. So my number five, I'm kind of torn between an older pick and a newer pick, but I'm going to go with Isabel and Armando Salazar from Love, Victor, because... <laughs> Like, they're not the perfect, they didn't handle the coming out great, and there were cheating issues, but I think they're really good parents, and I like their journey of acceptance, and I think they're really cute. They're a good couple. They're really good TV parents for, like, a recent show. I never watched. Is it, like, Love, Simon? Yes. It's a TV spinoff where he seeks out Simon's advice for coming out. Cute. I liked the movie. I should watch it. I like the series better than the movie. Wait, that was your last pick, huh? I know. I don't, I'm having trouble. I I did not rewatch this series, but I'm just remembering how this person made me feel when I did watch the series the first time. And I don't know, something about this actor has always, he's always just had a soft spot in my heart. So that's probably part of it as well. But I think I'm going to pick 
Bert Hummel from Glee, Mike O'Malley from Glee. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He sure. was just a good support system for Kurt. And there's some sort of like combination of blue collar working class vibe and teddy bear to him. Like there's like this weird combination of hard and soft that I think plays really, really well with the character. And I thought he was a good dad. I love him as an actor. And I remember that scene because that was such a kooky show. So camp, so campy that when they did that emotional scene, it got a lot of acclaim, had a lot of attention because they pulled it off so nicely. And I don't really remember much about him. So that's why I'm making such rogue fifth picks. <laughs> if I remember correctly, he was like a jock. And he really wanted yeah. Kurt to be jock. And Kurt was in the Glee Club and really, you know, gay and feminine. And But then he came around. Moment. Yeah. So my picks were Eric and Tammy Taylor, Mitch and Gail, Sam Fox, Adam and Christina Braverman, and Burton Hubble. And mine were the Pearsons from This Is Us, Sheriff Stolinski from Teen Wolf, Sandy and Kirsten Cohen from The O.C., Lorelai Gilmore. And the Salazars from Love Victor. I don't know. I feel like our I feel like our lists are pretty even keeled. What you watching? So I thought it would be like interesting to break it down this week by like reality, comedy, and hour long, because that's kind of how I've been watching things lately. So it's an old series, Fresh Off the Boat, which was on ABC. Hysterical. I just started it recently. So hysterically funny. Nice. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it by now, but if you haven't, it's on Hulu. That's what I'm watching it on. For hour long, I started Outer Banks. You know, I love my teen shows, obviously. And I've started it a few times over the years. And I actually started, we just had that hurricane a few weeks ago in mm -hmm. LA, which is nuts. But I was like hunkered down for a day and a half or whatever. And I started Outer Banks during that. So I really had no choice but to watch three or four in one sitting. And I got kind of past that hump that I never got past. I got to episode five or six where it kind of takes a turn. And so now I'm fully on board with Outer Banks. And when it comes to reality, I mean, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is back and it's the best show on television. So those are my three. But it's not a what you watch and what you're listening to. We each went to a big concert recently. Yeah. Actually, last weekend I saw Beyonce, which was obviously incredible and amazing. Like like Taylor, just like an experience. You just want to absorb every second. You don't want to drink too much. You want to just like, even though I did, um, <laughs> like you just want to experience like, it. Yes, it's an experience. However, this past weekend, I went to see the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> Joe Bro. Which was honestly incredible. And uh, I strongly urge if they're coming to your city to go because it's just fun. Like, I didn't. I didn't worry about, oh, I need to absorb this, you know, moment. It wasn't Taylor. It wasn't Beyonce. It was just fun, not serious. They're really good. They're super cute as a family and as grown men. <laughs> and <laughs> so fun. Such a dancey concert. Were you there at the night that Joe made the announcement about don't believe it unless it comes from these lips? Yes, that was the night. It was Dodger Stadium. There was fireworks. I love an outdoor concert. It was great. And you saw... I saw Bruce Springsteen and he canceled two shows and then he played like four shows and then he canceled his shows for the rest of the month. So I really got in that little window where he was actually performing. He was so good. It's not the first time I've seen him. I've seen him a bunch of times. He's definitely older. He used to run all around the stage and like slide around. He still did a lot of moving. He sounded phenomenal, but 
he wasn't doing any like jumping around like he used to. But mm-hmm. even my, I went with my family and my boyfriend and even my dad said it was one of the best Bruce shows he's seen. So we were really surprised when he canceled the rest of the shows for the month. Apparently he has like ulcers or something. He's so good so, live. He plays for like four hours, doesn't he? Yeah, I think this one was maybe two and a half or three. That's another mm-hmm. thing. He's cut it down in his mm-hmm. older age. But also the thing that I really liked that he did, like he used to go away and then come back for the encore. But for this, he never got off stage. They just turned on all of the house lights for the encore. And it was like a lot of, I think it was like four or five of his hits. So it would just turned into like a big dance party. It was really fun. I think I've only seen Bruce once. USC, the Coliseum or whatever. It's noteworthy to bring up Bruce for two reasons. One, well, a lot we have a lot of New Jersey listeners. Oh, hell yeah. Secondly, he is featured on a Dawson's Creek season two music moment. Did you know that? He is? Yeah, it's coming up. I mean, I don't remember. It's in season two. It's in season two. It's not coming up, but I mean, it is coming up, but it's not like in the next few. I shouldn't have ruined it for you. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I do. Ruin things. (laughs) I do not remember that. Well, something to look forward to. Well, you know, next week is episode 203, Alternative Lifestyles. What shall we be drinking? Will we be drinking? Not what shall. Horrible grammar. Where did I go? Cape Side High? (laughs) We will be drinking the Seduction Cocktail. It is one ounce of red wine, two ounces of rye whiskey, half ounce of black currant liqueur, and lemon juice perhaps a lemon twist if you're feeling fancy. It sounds very interesting. I'll I'll give you my honest review next episode because it could go either way. As always, we'll be giving our honest reviews of the Dawson's drink. Oh, and yeah, we don't it's hold not that. clear, the reason that this Dawson's drink was your favorite Jack cocktail was because this was the first episode yes. of Jack McPhee. And to find out why next episode's drink is a seduction, you have to tune in. I mean, maybe someone will get seduced. Maybe. Well, that's it for episode 202, a delightful episode. Watch it. Andy and Jack are here. We're we're feeling a little bit more complete in our cast. We are in the McPhee era. I freaking love the McPhees. Freaking love them. (laughs) We're going to love them so much. (laughs) We will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.